Dig Dug 2, Trouble in Paradise. And welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. And I'm Sean. Sean. It's just us today, which is fine. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not trouble in paradise, right? Joe's still gonna come back. He's he's lost in paradise. And oh, uh, okay, I got you. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. And you know, speaking of trouble in paradise, Dig Dug Two presents the idea that uh, you know, I don't know, like all islands are paradise because every uh map that you play on in this game is on an island, and that's where the trouble is happening. Oh man, wow, I did not. Did, I did not put that together. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking, like, you know, these guys never visited Long Island, because no. that's not paradise. Or Three Mile Island. I don't even know what Three Mile Island is. Oh, uh, that was a place in Pennsylvania where we had a nuclear meltdown. Whoa. Yeah, you should read up on it. It's pretty fun. Also, uh, we played Dig Dug 1 for the Nostalgia Bites uh, podcast, which is like a Patreon-only thing, so... We have like a weird thing where some of our listeners, the ones who are nice enough to give us money, uh, they know a little more about like what we think of Dig Dug than, um, you know, than the guys who are coming in cold here and just uh, experiencing Dig Dug 2. Two questions to follow up on that. One, is it weird that they wouldn't just port Dig Dug 1 over when we've gotten so many other arcade ports? And follow up on that, do you feel like the fan base who gets Dig Dug 2 is missing anything by not getting Dig Dug 1 first. Um, I think we actually brought it up in the episode that we found it strange that Dig Dug wasn't released. I mean, because it was an early game. There, wasn't, there aren't too many of those launch titles, and it could have just as easily been one. Um, but, I mean, compared to this game, there's enough of a difference where I would say if they'd never played Dig Dug then they might be missing out uh, by not hearing us talk about the first one. Yeah, that's a good point, because if you only played this one, um, or if you played the first one, I don't think you're expecting this, especially in 2022, where you've seen Dig Dug imagery. I've never seen this version of Dig Dug before, which is just a... It's funny, it's like only Dig Dug in name and inflation. (laughs) Yeah, it was... I was thinking about that where, like, usually it takes several iterations or several versions of some kind of game or property for the name not to mean anything anymore, uh, but it only took this this franchise one. And I don't know what we're digging for anymore now. Like, Dig Dug uh, made sense when you were digging underground and getting rid of these monsters and clearing out the way for things. Now it's like demolition man well i was guessing yeah like maybe they dug out of the ground maybe digging was the first game and this is the dugging part <laughs> the, the the thing that this game okay so should we go over like the premise yes please okay so as opposed to in the original dig dug where you are just like a a lowly excavator with some kind of inflation device to fight monsters you are now tasked with destroying tiny islands that are infested with the same enemies that we had in the first game. Um, 
but now you're destroying the island, not so much digging out the island uh, by, like, not really planting charges. You're just jackhammering fault lines, and then the island just falls into the ocean. Um, which reminds me of, I forgot who it was, but it was some, <laughs> it was some, like, representative in Congress in the 90s who thought that, like, it, that a, that an island could capsize if if something like was too heavy and it just like displayed a a very strange understanding of what islands and land masses he were. He must have and played think, Dig Dug too. Yeah, I think this might have been where he got that preconception. <laughs> and I think he did a great job uh, describing the game, but I feel like more emphasis needs to be put on these fault lines because that's ultimately like that's the hook of the game is that there are these predetermined spots on every island and every island isn't the same it's not just like a giant square or a rectangle it's like unique shapes but there are these fault lines that are placed and in a way um you know there's not much user experimentation but there are because they carefully place these there is a chance to get incredibly high bonuses if you uh strike the lines in the right connection so this way a large chunk of the island falls off it is possible for you to also fall off the island, but that's the risk and reward system of this game. Yeah, I mean, um, th there are kind of puzzles in that way where there is sort of like an optimal cutting route. Um, but you also have to be mindful of where the enemies are and make sure that like they're not on your chunk that isn't going to fall off. Or just, just trying to optimize the amount of enemies that you're going to get rid of at once. Um, and it can be really satisfying when you get, like, a nice combo of, like, oh, everybody fell off and I'm fine. In the beginning of the game, it be it's very obvious, right? Like, they're almost spelling it out for you how the fault lines work and, like, most of it's already connected and you just have to finish the, the one line, right? But later on, in the later rounds, it's uh, it's almost like no lines are connected yet or even, like, made and you just have to figure out where the poles are and kind of put it together and I'm not saying it's the hardest thing in the world but it's definitely one of those things where if you don't pick up on the concept the later part of this game could involve a lot more of you just inflating enemies and bl blowing them up to death rather than separating land masses to score uh, maximum points yeah and I guess like something could be said about whether the learning curve or uh, like whether that's too steep or or too uh too easy but i think that they they do give you an opportunity to learn um but yeah like i guess what do you think that it's too fast like going from easy to hard i i think it's fine um even if it is like you know i mean i don't know how many rounds are actually in this game but let's say even after the 10th round if it starts to get a little more difficult i feel like that's fine for these kinds of arcade games and that's like Again, that's the whole risk-reward thing, right? Is that if you spend too much time creating fault lines that don't lead to anything, the enemies are going to start to, you know, close in on you and then you weren't focused on taking them out. So it's just, I feel that it could be one of those things that if you don't play this game long enough, like if you just uh, focus on killing enemies, you can probably get through all the rounds and then it comes down to another thing that, you know, Nostalgia always hates on, it comes down to just score, right? That theoretically, no enemies in this game are so unstoppable that you would uh, be trapped or or uh, un unable to solve a puzzle. 
this is still a um, an action game in some regards where you are in control of your own destiny. It's not puzzle-solving game. So there's a lot going on here where it's like, I don't know, the skill level matters, but only really for points. Yeah, um, because there is enough of like a, a stun lock when you actually like just shoot your in, inflatomatic at a at an enemy where even if you've got a couple piled on top of each other you should be able to get rid of them so it really is just it's putting a lot of focus on does it feel good to destroy the island um and are, are you motivated enough by points to do it um but i'd say that like when it comes to comparing this game to the original dig dug uh, where you're sort of like creating a maze for yourself and the enemies to go through, and really the only other environmental uh, effects are like manipulating the the rocks that fall down once you kind of get rid of the support below them. And I'd say that while uh, yeah, like th there's um, that that game had probably m that was more focused on just inflating enemies because. Like, you could totally ignore the maze aspect and just do the same thing here. I think in Dig Dug 2, um, the fault lines take a bigger prominence than anything that you could do with the mazes in Dig Dug. That's a good point. I, I'm, I'm with you for the most part. I think Dig Dug 2 definitely allows for more customization and options in general in terms of, like you were saying, you mostly would focus on inflating the enemies in Dig Dug 1. And, you know, if you got a rock to land on them, great. But that was probably more luck-based than uh, this fault system. However, I don't know, Dig Dug felt, Dig Dug 1 felt more claustrophobic and that you could screw yourself over if you were focusing on inflating a particular enemy, especially with the way that they can, the enemies can burrow without creating uh, new escape paths for you and they could uh, pop out that way. In this game... Because the land masses are, are pretty large, especially as the game opens up more uh, and tries to become more difficult with removing the land masses, they give you more land. There's a lot to, like, remove yourself from and not get trapped by enemies. So I feel like it's just a trade-off thing where the underground aspect was maybe more claustrophobic but simpler. And now this rewards players who... Um, you know, who try harder. You don't have to try, I guess, is the whole, like, argument I'm making here. Is like, you don't have to try to be good at this game because of that stun lock and, and the inflation and everything. But it's not going to be satisfying to the compared to the person who, like, tries to destroy the land masses and take care of multiple enemies at a time. I don't know. I would find the game very boring if I just inflated every enemy. To oh, die. yeah. There's, there's, not enough, there's not enough to that to make it more than, like, a few minutes of enjoyment. <laughs> and I guess that brings up a good question, Sean. Is there enough here to justify, uh, you know, is this a full game? Or is this falling into the usual pitfall of an arcade game where it was better when you put 25 cents in and got what you got and then you walked away from it? Yeah, I think it, like, as a... In relation to what I just said, where if it was just the inflation, you'd get like a few minutes of enjoyment out of it. This with the fault lines, uh, I give it like a good twenty to thirty minutes of enjoyment. Uh, it's definitely not Super Mario. It definitely doesn't have the same staying power as a game that isn't obviously designed for the arcade first. 
And they just needed some pretty obvious improvements in, uh, I don't know when Dig Dug 2 came out in arcades. I, uh, I, I want to say like 84 or something like that. But it just needed some obvious improvements for 1989 that I think would have really fixed this game for the better. Just, just think about how many enemies they could have also introduced per maybe every 10 rounds, right? Like now there's this new guy who's a little more complicated and... Uh, he's actually immune to your inflation, or, uh, or he, can he jump. takes more pumps. Yeah, or yeah. he can jump. Right, jump. <laughs> Jumping's great. See, little things like that. <laughs> I think would have uh, would have improved it. Uh, maybe even something to break up the rounds, uh, like a bonus uh, thing, since they're so focused on the high score. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that those things aren't there, but we've seen them in a lot of other games. So I think that's what this is missing: is that it's a very straightforward game that uh, kind of perfectly balances. Uh, I think of it like a Kirby game, you know, where it's like Kirby is easy enough that you can just float over all the enemies and you can just inflate all the enemies in Dig Dug. <laughs> but if you wanted to also approach the game from a high score mechanics perspective or in Kirby, if you wanted to play like the hard mode, uh, which is only unlocked after you beat the game, usually if you want to do that stuff, it's there and it's fun for skilled players who already like got their fix. I feel like Dig Dug 2 kind of needed that you know, not new game plus, but like after you complete all the rounds, a harder difficulty mode or, or something else, like now do it without being able to inflate enemies or something. Or it has charges a... or something. Because right, like, right. <laughs> but when we were talking earlier about like a, a learning curve, at least about how the fault lines work and the arrangements, like that's really just if you're trying to play the game, how it was designed. <laughs> and like, there really isn't too much of a learning curve because like, you could just ignore them, like we were saying. Uh, I think, like when, in terms of these levels, there there really isn't too much of like, like if there was actually difficulty increasing, uh, this would, that would be like a different game because really all that's happening in this one is the levels are different, different arrangements, not entirely like harder arrangements. And it's not that I want them because one of the ideas I think is suggested in the harder mode is to get rid of the inflation. It's not that. The uh, air pump is bad. Uh, I actually think that's like that's the thing that makes it uniquely dig dug. That's dig dug, yeah. I, I think it's the stun lock on the air pump that ruins the game because, like you said, that's the that's the ability to just like hit every enemy that's around you, stun them really quick, and then remove yourself from the situation uh, to gain more time. You know, it's like if if they just made it so this way you had to commit to your pump, like once you lock on to somebody. It's either pump them or uh, or walk away. And who knows? Maybe the stun lock would be. Yeah, that's weird. Um, maybe the stun stun lock would be if how long you pump them. Like they have to then deflate to come back into battle. Maybe that's oh. enough of a stun lock. Yeah, uh, because I know that you can just you can continue. There's no like combo break. If you take your attention away, they basically stay there, and they'll only take another hit or two so that like you could just crowd control everyone so like yeah if if it made it so that you like could only sort of like stun but that wouldn't contribute to actually destroying uh maybe that would add some some challenge this is one of the few games that we've played with a level select feature which i feel like all arcade games on the nes should have just came with at this point because they were probably so popular in the arcades that for most people they didn't want to always have to start at level one again uh it's pressing start select and the a button uh all at the title screen 
might take a few tries, though, because any one of those things also enters you into the game. So if you accidentally <laughs> don't press all three simultaneously, you run the risk of uh, entering the game normally. So uh, I did maybe they should that. have thought about that. <laughs> I mean, did you choose to level select anything? No, I, like, I, I, yeah, I could care less. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, the you know the round thirty one wasn't like oh now Dig Dug Two is getting somewhere. You know. <laughs> I don't think I got there. But we ran into that. I think at least with Dig Dug 2, we've ran into a problem with, uh, I think it was way back, Wrecking Crew, where they did let you level select. Uh, and I think they had 99 levels. And like the 99th level wasn't like particularly any more challenging than the, the early levels. It was just like another different way of doing a Wrecking Crew level. Uh, don't hold me to that. I'm not saying it's like as easy as level one, but it definitely wasn't like this, you know, that now we put our hardest one. Same thing with, it was Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle, if you remember, <laughs> which uh, isn't the title of that game. It's the Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle. I like but, the first one better, but. <laughs> right. In, in no, that, I know exactly what you mean. Like, they're, yeah. they're just different. They're not, they're not more difficult. There's just 32, whatever, 30, how, however many levels there are, different levels, not, not harder levels. Yeah, and I actually don't know how many there are, but I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say, like, 50. I don't feel like there were more than 50. On the sequels and spinoff side, it'd be interesting to note that uh, there's probably a bunch of other Dig Dug games, and I think in the Bytes episodes we were talking about the Mr. Driller series, which is kind of a uh, spiritual sequel or whatever. <laughs> but um, today I want to talk about Dig Dug Digging Strike for the Nintendo DS is that like, is that now he's a baseball player? See, I was still, I was hoping you would actually get it. Uh, but digging strike does imply baseball, maybe. Um, <laughs> no, you see, digging strike is finally like again somebody at the company um, just had like they had an amazing idea where they were like, what if we take and it's not exactly this, but follow it along. What if we took Dig Dug Two's top screen style and made that the top screen? And then the bottom screen is the Dig Dug 1 style gameplay. So it, using the DS dual screen, you are like on the island, right? Uh, Wait, it's like, is it two, is it, it's like two planes making a three-dimensional game? Uh, almost, except for your character isn't on both at the same time, obviously. You can be like up on the island taking care of enemies up there and then dig a oh, hole okay. and go down into the... Um, into the Dig Dug 1 style gameplay from the island. I feel like that is a pretty cool combination of the two games and is much better of a Dig Dug thing than uh, what, we, what we suggested this one might have been, where, like, <laughs> this is the dugging part. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I like that. Did you, did you play it? I did because I have a hacked 3DS, so <laughs> I can do that. And, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for this game. But I will say... Uh, I think it made, I don't know, like it made it interesting, right? As like a concept and everything. And the guy who came up with the idea of combining two Dig Dug arcade games into the same thing. Like, it's like, why have we never seen the Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. gameplays mixed like that uh, <laughs> by Nintendo? It's a really neat idea. It's not like, it's not an incredible game. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't necessarily do anything more for me than Dig Dug 1 or 2 did on their own. It just makes it, that now they're both happening at the same time. <laughs> I you guess know, there's no, it, there's no it, consequence it, for what's happening on the top screen. 
while you're in the bottom screen and they interact only a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I it, at least I would say that maybe that makes it uh that like sort of like going back and forth between the two modes of gameplay makes it so that you don't really get tired of one or the other too quickly, but that's still like a problem if 30 to 40 seconds of being on one screen might lead you to be bored of it. And then uh, a reimagined version of Dig Dug 2 was released for computers titled Dig Dug Island, and it had online multiplayer. It was released in 2008 exclusively in Japan. You can find YouTube videos. However, uh, because the servers are no longer active, it's just unplayable. This is not a game that you could even emulate today. I think I... I saw that on the Wikipedia page, and uh, that it only ran for less than a year, so it was barely ever a game. I'm not sure what they were thinking uh, by taking the lesser-known Dig Dug game, Dig Dug 2, and uh, being like, oh, that's the one that's going to be an MMO. <laughs> I guess Dig Dug 1 was too much of a sacred lamb to be uh, bastardized like that. See, this is Namco Bandai, the same people who make Pac-Man games. And why don't they just do what they did with the uh, Pac-Man verse and just do that for everything? Do Dig Dug verse? Like, imagine if there was one person's the digger and four people are either... Um, Ooh, that asymmetric multiplayer there. Yeah, you know, the, the other four are the enemies. And it's like, can you stop him? Like, I don't know. This is a Mario Party minigame, right? At least. <laughs> Where it's like, you know, the 3v1. Like, that's all this is. But I feel like that's a great implementation of that. And to the failure that it only ever happened to Pac-Man when, it, when so many other arcade games are calling for it. I get that Pac-Man's the most iconic one, but it must have sold well, too. So just do it for all the other ones. I agree. And I would, I would spill my beer on a, uh, on a table version of Dig Dug Extreme Remix. I'll tell you one thing. The people listening to this episode are going to spill their beer if we vote for this game on the Essential Games list. Wait, are you saying that they... Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I only say that because we have been, um, we've been pretty harsh on it. Or, or not kind to it. Yeah. I mean, I guess they would spill their beer if we voted it onto the essential games list, but like we have to vote for it one way or the other, so they shouldn't be surprised by that, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they can't believe that for the 240-something episode in a row, we're doing the essential games list. <laughs> but, Sean, we always go you first. Okay, me so, first. Please. It has to be unanimous today. Yes. <laughs> And I will say, uh, while I, okay, I really like the, the, the spin, I, I don't think I'm a Dig Dug purist and think that it has to be about digging holes, even though that's the name. Um, I, I really like this idea of complete environmental destruction, uh, but the fact of the matter is that you don't need to do the most interesting thing in the game to win the game. Uh, and that's that's a problem. So I would say that Dig Dug 2, Trouble in Paradise, is not an essential game. And Sean, you know, just so you, everybody knows it, it's you who made it out of contention. It's true. Uh, I, that's we, why, I hold the power. We make you the fall guy. Uh, that's why we have you go first, <laughs> to, just to get things out of the way. You control the momentum. I, I think uh, your vote, you know, 
probably the most important one in the whole show. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. Dig Dug 2 has some trouble. In paradise. <laughs> well, here's the thing. All right, I think we've said everything that could be said about uh, this game. And I, I actually think like we were mostly pretty nice to it. So that's why I changed my harsh thing to just more like not kind. Yeah. I, I compliment a lot of these features. And in fact, what Dig Dug 2 did in just one entry from Dig Dug 1 is something that Pac-Man couldn't do for a long time. <laughs> and when we finally got there, because we did record uh, Pac-Land for Nostalgia Bites as well. When we got there, it was like not impressive, at least to the three of us. Uh, I, I know some people actually do have fond memories with Pac-Land. I, I'll just say, Dig Dug Two, a, a much a much better uh, spin on on a game without just being like it's Dig Dug One with more levels. Like honestly, that's what I was expecting because I don't look at these games ahead of time, so I was very yeah. surprised, and it was a welcome surprise. But Sean, you hit the nail on the head. I'm not even going to try to say anything different. It's the fact that winning isn't hard and that winning isn't even up to uh it's more up to like user experimentation and this is the kind of game that like i don't know it's not it's not particularly fun to make it hard for yourself there's there's not it's not that satisfying to watch fault lines destroy parts (laughs) of islands to have enemies fall in the water like maybe if the animation was awesome for that it would be like more exciting or something or if you could somehow chain parts of the island like if if they just oh, did a little combos. more yeah, yeah and there'd be to like make cool it exciting combo animations man exactly uh i i feel like otherwise you know the, whether you the goal is to just complete all the enemies off the screen and that's uh that's just not a very exciting thing in uh, 1989 when we're having games do like narrative stories now and, <laughs> and send you on quests that's true yeah, we need we need more dialogue in Dig Dug Three. I don't even know if we get a Dig Dug Three. Uh, Dig Dug Digging Strike might have been the next best thing. <laughs> but there is well, that Mister Driller series. Well, I hope it's got romance. Oh yeah, okay. Well, hopefully yep. that's got romanceable companions. Well, next week, Iron Sword, which is actually Wizards and Warriors Two, uh, we'll oh. be playing. We'll be playing that, and yeah, I think that's an interesting. Wouldn't it be Wizards and Warriors Two Iron Sword? But instead, Wizards and Warriors 2 is the subtitle. I feel like that's that's not the first time we've seen something like that. The, the, the in video games or yeah. in general? No, no, no. In video games. Wasn't, wasn't like Zelda 2 like? No. Never Zelda mind. 2, The Adventure of Link. Yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassing myself right now. That's Never okay. Mind. Actually, no, you're not embarrassing yourself because the, the interesting thing about that one is that's the only one that like drops Link's name into the title <laughs> other than Link's crossbow training on the Nintendo Wii. The classic. Yeah, an absolute banger of a game. I don't know. I just think, like, that's a unique thing. Like, they've already got my attention, right? We've been talking about Wizards and Warriors 2 just as much as we've been talking about Dig Dug 2 now. Um, also funny that we're getting two sequels that both choose the Roman numeral 2. Uh, and, guys, we can riff like this for as long as you need. So turn off the podcast whenever you want, uh, unless you really like that music at the end, because uh, there's also probably a skip feature on uh your podcast don't hit skip don't don't hit skip if see now if they hit skip before that they wouldn't know that you didn't want it well i mean that's why i try to be as quick quick as possible with the i don't know Uh, what i'm saying is if you like roman numerals what you want to do is learn more about roman history because that's where that comes from where where can they do that mike 
They can do that at www.nostalgiacast.com. We'll be publishing an article all in the history of the Romans <laughs> and the numerals uh, and the war between them. The great yes. uh, Roman the numeral, numeral war. war yes. Two. And don't forget, too, if you were like, oh, I wanted to hear more about Dig Dug One or Pac-Land, since I kind of name dropped that one. Don't forget to check out Nostalgia Bites because we have a whole Dig Dug episode. We have a Pac-Land episode. And uh, I don't know. We're going to have lots more episodes. It's only every month, but it gets you access to a lot of other cool stuff, too, like your name on the website and access to our Discord. We're playing games with people. We're setting high scores. We're, um, you know. Discussing things discussing that aren't video things. games. Right. Uh, yeah, we have an off-topic section. Kind of, you could expect mostly what we've been doing for the last five minutes to also happen on the Discord off-topic. So if benign subjects are more your thing, yeah, give us $5. I'm a big fan of mundanity. 